Welcome to Four Seasons in a Funeral, the show where we go back and watch shows that had four good seasons and a disastrous final fifth season. Today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 4 of Fringe, titled The Arrival. My name is Charlie, and joining me today are David and Nick. Hello. I am David. Fuck, David. We did it again. It's <laughs> yeah. fine. You gotta figure <laughs> you gotta talk about this beforehand. Yeah, we really do, because I was like, all right, I'll wait a second, and then I'll let David talk. And then, nope, didn't work, though. Not this time. Yeah, just go in the order I introduce you, David and Nick. So then David, then Nick. Ah, okay. That, that works. Once again, though, the joining me today uh, statement. <laughs> oh, it's great. That's exactly what we're looking for. The end goal of the show is to get either Joshua Jackson, Anna Torv, or John Noble on a two-minute phone call. There is no way in hell. <laughs> if Maybe if one of us gets cancer and they're doing like... <laughs> If, if that kind of situation, maybe. But we're not kids anymore, so it's unlikely anyways. <laughs> can we, like, craft ourselves an Emmy, and then we can give it to John Noble, because he earned it for this show? <laughs> I don't think John Noble wants our shitty handcrafted Emmy. Oh, no, not handcrafted. I'm just going to go down and get, like, a sports trophy. <laughs> but call it an Emmy. Like it, it's still got like the hockey player on top of it, but it's but you're, you're calling it an Emmy. I'll pull out one of my old most sportsman like and just cr- scratch that out with a knife and go best actor. <laughs> I will say if our if our final goal is to only get a two minute phone call, all we got to do is find one of their uh, find one of their phone numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get put on restraining orders, guys. <laughs> Fine. That should be our secondary goal. <laughs> For the show to be a success, here is our five-point plan. <laughs> Talk to them. Get restraining order by them. Break into their home. Steal their things. Get put in jail. That would be that would be quite the plan to have. Uh, I, I like the idea of not being in jail, but, you know, anything for the bit, right? But then they realize that I'm just a super fan, and they're like, ah, oh, let them out. We'll be best friends. I don't think that's how it works. How it works. Just that sounds like a weird fanfic that you're writing. Hey, for for all the millions of people listening to us, and I know guys, don't don't do this to us, please. Well, you cut out there, so no one hears your Uh. warning. (laughs) The demon is back. (laughs) Which demon is it? I'm still not allowed to say the name of the demon. I'm I'm worried at this point. If I if I try and say it again, I'm just gonna die. Have fun editing the intro, David. Oh God, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I have to cut a lot of Nick's cutting out to make it make sense. I'm so sorry. How oh, well? Just get a better internet connection, Nick. <laughs> Fuck you, David. How about that? Okay. okay. So let me do the TV guide, and then you can probably splice it in between. All right. Uh, the TV guide description for this episode is first aired on September 30th, 2008. The only thing found intact after an explosion rocks a New York City construction project is a mysterious cylinder. So Broyles enlists the trio of Olivia, Dr. Bishop, and Peter to investigate the significance of the object, which seems to be related to a string of inexplicable behavior and events. Wow, because that's not every single episode of Fringe. Hey, that's better than one of the TV Guide ones I remember reading, which is just completely useless. Dr. Bishop investigates the unknown. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's like, hey, at, at least this time, unexplicable events. So, like, that's something. Sure. 
So this is the episode where we get to learn about the Observer. I guess I guess we should probably start out with our fun game of Spot the Observer. <laughs> oh, I spotted him. <laughs> yeah. Can you find the Observer in the first 20 minutes of this episode? I we, really hope so. We open on this episode on the Observer at a cafe, who I have a note here saying giving the most specific order and the most understanding waitress. Yeah, that waitress was just kind of like, all right, sure. He's like, roast beef, as rare as possible. Do you have jalapenos? And she's like, I, I think so. And he's like, 11 of those. On the like, side. Right, whatever. It's it's 9 a.m. in New York. This isn't the weirdest thing I've heard all shift. Don't worry, though. Uh, don't forget about that glass of water at room temperature. Oh, yeah. Can't have cold water. Can't have warm water. I just, I just want to say, so he gets a roast beef sandwich, dumps an entire thing of pepper on it, a whole bunch of Tabasco, Tabasco sauce, and then all jalapenos and just devours it. Aside from the pepper, that sounds like a good sandwich to me. Is that okay? I the, think the, the roast beef as rare as possible kind of turns me off. Like, it, it really depends on how cooked that roast beef is. Yeah, maybe... Maybe a little bit more like cooked roast beef, but still like you're getting a roast beef sandwich. That's just a spicy roast beef sandwich. <laughs> All right, so Charlie is an alien. <laughs> so we've determined. Well, well, no, he just doesn't have any taste buds. Ah, uh, yeah, indeed. <laughs> it's oh, fine. Man, I don't want. I want to correct David so hard, but I can't without spoilers. Yeah, fuck you, Charlie. Don't say anything. <laughs> the observers are aliens. That's my current hot take. Uh, well, here, you can just say from Walter's side of things. What, what do you mean? Who said anything about aliens? So the observer is there uh, watching a construction site. He has cool collapsible binoculars. Yeah, which are real sci-fi looking. Yep. Did, you, did any of you guys look at the actual uh, HUD for the observer? Uh, Not closely, It was no. interesting. Uh, there wasn't anything like too, too exciting about it. Uh, there was things like antenna 45 meters, uh, which was a little bit weird. Yeah, I wonder, I, I assume there's a whole bunch of weird Easter eggs in there stuff. I vaguely remember seeing something and being like, oh, but I, I think it's just like little references. <laughs> well, the one thing that you guys will be, that you guys will find funny every time that he zooms in on a person um, and it is like giving like a, like a list of them, there's no actual information there. It's just garbage code. Um, no information like, that you can read. Well, it's like call folder, folder unavailable, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, because there's no info on them. Hey, lack of information, still information. I, I guess. I'm looking at it now, and one is a variable called HTML equals <laughs> a variable, in, in quotes, variable row new line ca character, um, end bracket, or end brace and then close database. Yeah, that's just garbage. <laughs> I told you guys it was just garbage code. <laughs> that's just garbage. Oh, no, you know what it is. <laughs> I think this is someone's HTML dump for like a, a database page. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because they have buttons up top. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, uh... no, we've done way too deep a dive into the HUD. So what is our observer friend doing at that restaurant? Eating a delicious sandwich. Okay, aside from the sandwich. <laughs> and staring at a construction crew. Uh, he's making notes in weird symbols that the waitress is like, oh, is that Korean? He's like, no. You dumbass. Monotone is possible. Although if you look at the notes, it's obvious that someone like took the time, some prop guy took the time and been like, oh, yeah, I'm making my own language, and then they give it to the actor, and it just turns into scribbles. Yep. 
Yeah, the actor was like, eh, I, I guess I'll continue writing this. <laughs> he got he got nervous because this is his first on-screen, or his first big role in the show, and he's like, don't want to fuck this up. Right? Yeah, I guess. They can't recast him at this point, can they? No. Like, look at the top lines. Oh yeah, that's very obviously just squiggles. Squiggles. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he just got excited. <laughs> His handwriting gets worse as he gets excited. I don't think that's normally how it works, but maybe that's just me. It looks like he was tracing over the first couple lines yeah. in the third line. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It's fine. Anyway, he watches a construction site. Some like an earthquake starts happening. Everyone's freaking out except for him. Something explodes. Everyone's booking it out of the diner. A crane falls in a bad CG. A bad CG crane fall. Yeah. Oh, boy. Watching this again is rough. Uh, I think the other great thing was as the crane is falling, he, like, cheerses, like, just, like, the entire, like, um, cafe. And then just drinks his water in one gulp. Oh, yeah. He, like, holds the glass up to look at it and then just downs it in one. Yes. Like a fucking weirdo. Then he walks over to a pit. You get a J.J. Abrams lens flare. Or two. (laughs) He pulls out a weird... It looks like what an old compass would be held in. It's just small and square, like inch and a half by inch and a half square. It's a phone, flips it open, is like, it has arrived. And then I think, yeah, then we cut to the intro. Uh, He did also leave money to pay for the sandwich. Yes. Yeah, no, he was a good guy. He did pay for his sandwich, if I noticed. Hey, he's not going to dine and dash. He liked that restaurant. They gave him all the peppers. They did. They gave no questions asked. Just, all right, here you go. Exactly. Oh, also worth noting, uh, the crane that fell is a massive dynamic crane. Of course it is. I never noticed that before. I, did, I didn't know, know that one. Huh. Some poor animator spent the time having a sign snap off and fall off the CG crane. And that must have been hand animated. And I feel sorry for them. Yeah. It's like a lot of work for two seconds. Yeah, no one noticed. I noticed. Well, I'm, I'm sure they appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that matters is that I notice. Exactly. Someone was like, oh, the attention to detail. So then we find out that the explosion was caused by a weird vibrating cylinder. And the uh, cylinder is quickly investigated by our fringe team of Walter, Peter, and Olivia. They, uh, they find out that the cylinder is vibrating, and it's very weird. It's basically the best bad, bad dragon toy available. Oh, God. <laughs> it's enormous. Nick. <laughs> Come on, Peter made it this It would kill joke. you. Peter made the same joke. Before, before we get to the cylinder, though, we do get a, a little scene with Peter basically being upset with Walter keeping him up at night and basically being like, you don't need me around. <laughs> And they're they're kind of setting it up for him to to leave, I think. Yeah. Oh right, I forgot you about can, that. You can, you can you can tell that there's some uh, discontent there or discontent. Yeah, because he like gets up and he's like, the bathtub's comfier than this couch because Walter is, I think, reciting pi or Fibonacci numbers. Nope, the recipe for root beer. Oh yes, the chemical formula for root beer. Yes. Which is like the most Jimmy Neutron reference I think you're going to get out of this show. Where it's like, oh, hey, there's some salt on the floor. No, that's sodium chloride. That's what I said, though. (laughs) Oh, man. man. Jimmy Neutron, what a cunt. You pretentious fuck. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we could do Jimmy Neutron a different different time. How many did Jimmy Neutron have? Well, well, Charlie's looking that up. (laughs) 
Did it have five seasons? It had a movie, I remember. All right. Well, while you guys are looking this both up, we then uh, cut back to a warehouse uh, where uh, we cut back into the fringe team um, with both Walter and Peter now there after being called in uh, to uh, actually look at the device for the first time or the beacon uh, as it's known. Um, Broyles, uh, for once, actually gives some good information uh, about a previous time where this happened. Hey, that was nice. Um, yeah. And says that, hey, something similar was found at Quantico. Uh, in 87 and the person who discovers it actually happens to uh, Olivia actually happens to know him so it's a nice little reunion sort of uh, for her did anyone else think that at first when she was like oh I know that person it's because they were fucking or is that just me David you assume too much (laughs) I just assume people are always fucking in shows (sighs) oh Jimmy Neutron had three seasons and a <laughs> spin-off show. If we count the movie as season one, which it is canon, technically it does have five seasons. Oh, oh no. But oh, that's besides the point. Because all seasons of that show were golden, so we can't. <laughs> uh, we also see a complete different change in character for Walter, because before he's usually like a little bit crazy, and this one he's like I know exactly what's going on. He seems really, really sane. And Broyles is like, this is a security risk. I would rather keep it here. And he's like, we're taking it back to my lab, you bald fuck. Uh, you can tell exactly how like nervous uh, he is about this device, like seeing yeah. it again. Um, which is just, Yeah, he just seems really, really sane. And you're like, this is who Walter actually is. Which is interesting because... We're we're assuming because of this that Walter has seen this device before. The last known time that this device was seen was in '87, uh, and at that point, it was in a military like thing at all times. So I'm assuming Walter wasn't around for that one. I don't. We'll get to it later, but I don't think he's ever actually seen one before. That's fair. I, I think if he was, they would have referenced it in the show more. Like they yeah, would have. Yeah. Well, especially in this episode, and it's they explain it at the end why he's so like. I know yes. what's going on with it, but mm-hmm. but yeah, Olivia go vi- goes and visits her old friend. I don't I don't know their relationship. I don't know if he was like a mentor to her. I think yeah, I think she said she knew him from Quantico, which is the FBI training facility. Yeah, right? I'm assuming he was like her supervisor. We get more stuff about John Scott being dead and him being like, I know what it's like to lose a loved one. She's like, fuck, everyone knew. <laughs> We did not do a good job of hiding this. I mean, yeah. I guess when you work with a bunch of other detectives, yeah. they're gonna figure things out. Maybe stop paying for a fucking ho- like motel room every time that you're gonna have sex. You think they were uh, expensive that? Oh, that'd be so funny if that was a reason. <laughs> Looking at all the expense reports, man. Dude, odd. Olivia, whenever Olivia and her partner go out, they only expense one motel room. <laughs> Suspicious. <laughs> very, very suspicious. Uh, and shout out to the props department for actually writing an obit for him. Oh, like mm-hmm. I'm reading it, and it's it's actually like an obituary. There's no lorem ipsum there. It's someone oh. actually took the time to write this. Oh, damn! It's huh. always surprising when uh when you, they put that much show work. Cares. Yeah. To be fair, this show is all about attention to detail, especially in season one. So I'm not yeah. too, too surprised. That um, and it, the line is one former agent 
uh, called him a gifted and talented agent with an eye for the details, which I take as a shout out to anyone who paused this scene and read an obit for a character who died three episodes ago. <laughs> who you can tell we all love and care about so much. Yeah. He's totally not just a plot point. Yes. I forgot his name. Oh, come on. <laughs> he has a very forgettable name. John Scott? John yeah. Scott? You, you mean the best hockey player? I remember they were saying his name in like I think episode three or something, and they were acting all serious. And I remember at the turn, Nick I was like, "Who's John Scott again?" Yeah, I do. <sighs> to be fair, your memory is terrifying, like terrifyingly it, bad. It's yeah. fine. I get it, by. <laughs> it really seems like they were like they were like drafting the character name, and they were like, "Okay, so we have." Like Jane Doe, and then they crossed it out and were like Olivia Dunham, and then we have John Smith, and crossed it out and went John Scott. <laughs> <laughs> like that just sounds like a filler name. It really, it really does. does. Never, never filled it in. Average generic white guy. <laughs> uh, so they start investigating the uh, cylinder, essentially, and Walter's doing all these tests on it. Meanwhile, Olivia is going off on this side quest to learn information about it. Do we see the other guy at this point, or is that later on? Uh, Beanie Man? Yeah, Beanie Man. We uh, do not see him quite chief, yet. Chief of Staff from House of Cards. Yes. Um, not yet. No, uh, because Olivia talks to him, the colonel, and he's like, this was super weird. It was vibrating at this the same pattern. This one's vibrating at... Um, it tunneled down and then exploded. Mm. But he's like, I, we never found a shred of it. I've never seen anything explode like this. Um, you should stay far away from this, which is a theme in the early episodes where people in the know are like, hey, Olivia, don't get messed up in this. And she's like, I'm gonna get messed up in this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Walter, back at the lab, Walter, seemingly knowing what's happening, because before he's like vibrating at this frequency, he gets a tuning fork and it's like, see, it's vibrating and the cylinder starts to like light up and they're like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> it's impressive because that basically means he hit the resonant frequency which i would assume a tuning work wouldn't do but it's fine uh hey, hey fringe science fringe uh, and then after the vibration happens that's when we ben, get to meet um yeah. our, 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 uh, toque, man. our toque man who is this weird dude who's wearing a beanie and seems to be seems to know what's going on and really wants a cylinder and so but he, he, sh- but he has eyebrows, so he's not an observer. Yeah. So he shows oh, up. Hey. <laughs> he shows up at the military base. Or at the FBI warehouse. The FBI warehouse where they had it. And he has this weird fucking space gun that I like want that space gun. I um, I, I think it just kills people. I think they're dead when they get they get shot with it, right? I'm pretty sure. I uh, think they mentioned that that he goes in and he kills like four FBI FBI agents. Yeah. Cuz he I just like... goes in and blasts them with like this it looks like the uh like a gravity gun or something. Yeah, it seems like something out of Half-Life. Oh, it's it's great. I do like how it looks kind of like a machine gun yet really isn't. <laughs> yeah. Like you look at it and you're like, "Ooh." It definitely looks like just something that someone in the props department kit bashed together. Like, "Oh, that kind of looks like a weird fancy gun." It's a science gun. It's fine. Fringe gun. Yes. Um, by the way, do you guys notice anything uh, cool about uh, Beanie Guy, particularly on his beanie? No. Oh, he's got the little. He's got the there... pattern. Does he actually? He's he's got three green and a red. 
Oh, right. He does. Oh, shit. He has that? Yes. That's crazy. That's a spoiler. That is a spoiler. <laughs> it's Shame fine. That leads on to a different episode. We'll get to it when we get to it. Someone make a note to talk about that on that episode. Well, there's a bunch of that. So we'll talk about that there. Um, three green or red is a very common returning theme in the uh, in the first couple episodes. Well, I guess it's an easy uh, thing to have. Man, I didn't notice that at all. That's crazy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so Beanie Guy shows up. He murders a bunch of people in the FBI warehouse. There's one guy hiding behind a desk who, he, who Beanie Guy sees. And it's like, hey... Uh, I need you to tell me where they moved this thing. And I don't know if he manages to get it out of him because then Beanie Guy has to go torture someone else later. Well, so I'm pretty sure all that he's told um, is what that guy knew, which is I'm pretty sure he didn't know where it was getting moved. I'm pretty sure it was just the only thing I know is um, they went and talked to this Colonel Jacobson. Okay. Right. So then he goes on his merry way to go kill another man. Uh <laughs> Oh right, his name is John Mosley. We learned that right? later. That's a that's a much later thing. Yeah, but we don't care because he's Beanie Man. Passive cards, dude. Olivia also gets a phone call where it's like just staticky, and she thinks John Scott called her, mm-hmm. uh, and then she calls the FBI to trace it, and they're like, "No one, no one's called you." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what do you think that operator on the other side was thinking? Like this crazy FBI lady. Like, that has to go in a report, right? Like, Agent Dunham phoned at 9.58 p.m., asked for trace on call. No call was found. Like, Broyles has to get that across his desk at some point, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. There's no way Broyles doesn't look at that and go, hmm, that's probably not good. (laughs) (laughs) Olivia might be losing her mind. It's fine, though. Um, Uh, I do I do then like the next little scene because it's Olivia putting together um, the observer or the bald man as she knows him at that point. Oh, yeah. Um, right. like, circles all these photos. And, and I really like because it's like, hey, didn't you guys see this, you idiots? For like the first like three episodes. It's like, yeah. didn't you guys catch this person? You idiots, you missed him? He was in all of them. But even then, she like talks to Broyles about it. And he's like, We've been tracking. It took us three months to find him. You found him in three weeks. I like Broyles is just like, ah, you found another one of my secrets. Well, (laughs) time to share what I know. (laughs) And he just opens up an office door and there's like five people on computers. And he's like, get out. And they're like, okay, I guess. (laughs) We're obviously briefed to be in here for this. But no, not not when I brief a new person. Yeah. And it just shows like me. It shows all the photos of the observer, including the one of him behind the hospital in the growing baby episode. Yes. Also known as episode two. And that's that's when we get introduced to him being called the observer uh, by them. Because he just observes. He doesn't do anything. Guardian. Damn it, Charlie. <laughs> Uh, but while they're talking about uh, the Observer and Olivia's getting introduced to yet another thing that Broyles has been hiding, which yeah. she's going to be getting sick of at this point, um, they get told that there was an attack on the warehouse. And we get a scene of Beanie Man knocking uh, Colonel Jacobson unconscious in his house. Yes. Yep. Just, what, just what you're looking for. Yeah. That's just what you want, right? Oh, yeah. Weird stranger coming to your house, knocking you out. I mean, it's better than... The weird mad scientist dude who you've been assigned to take care of injecting you with something and then taking the cylinder and running off which is what yeah. happens to astrid poor astrid <laughs> she, she's really she really got the shit end of the stick in a lot of this 
Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, we flash back to the lab where Walter's doing some studying. He shouts at Peter to get him some tinfoil. Yeah. Uh, and after being told that the uh, warehouse was... Attacked. Attacked, and that they need to now move the cylinder to a secure yeah. facility. And he's very angry about it. Peter gives him some sass, but then Walter gets very angry and gives an explanation how he needs to block some sort of radiation. Gives him sass back. And Peter sighs and goes, all right, but you're going to tell me what this thing does when I come back. And he leaves. And then Walter goes to uh, Astrid and says, hey, can you get me uh, this thing? And she's like, all right. And then he uh, stabs her with sedative. (laughs) Don't worry, though. It's probably his own concoction. It's probably a really good time. Do you think <laughs> she's just you... dosed up with LSD? Uh, she'd probably be having a pretty bad trip if she was. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think that lab is the place you want to go on a trip. Probably not. Just staring at the cow, staring at Jean. <laughs> Jean stares back. You got to get the cow acid too. Ah, and then things are fine. Ah, I see. We're trying to teach Jean the English language. <laughs> Next, you're going to have to start giving them hand jobs. Oh, no. Oh, no. For those unaware, look up LSD dolphin English experiments by the CIA in, like, the 70s. Fun time. <laughs> it's a real thing that happened. Fringe science. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> then back to fringe science. The beanie man shoving these, like, electrodes up the colonel's mind and then gives him, like, puts basically an earbud in one he's like tell me where the device is yeah and also just like an apple earbud (laughs) oh yeah he looks like a hipster yeah he really does but it's also i like this scene because they never explicitly say what the machine does yeah you just are kind of like oh he is literally hearing their thoughts it's a nice little oh no it's cool I always hate TV writing where it's like, oh my god, this machine does exactly this? Is that what you're saying? And you're like, everyone here is qualified, and they know this. Why are you expouting this information? No, it's it's very well done. Yeah, It did get he's... around... Also, he doesn't like monologue to himself about what the machine does either or anything. Yeah, he never like goes... To, he's like, I'm going to shove these up your nose, and this lets me hear your thoughts. You don't have to say anything. You just have to think it. No, he's just like, tell me where it is. Shock, shock. Thanks. Bye. Kill. <laughs> Yes, thanks, thanks. We, we never actually see him die, but it's no, he kills pretty him. well assumed. Doesn't he shoot him or shock him at the very end? I think he shoots him. Yeah. Does he shoot him? Okay. Yeah. yeah. We do one. see him die. Okay. That's why we never hear about him again, because he's dead. Yeah, that will do it. <laughs> but uh, so uh, Guy figures out that they moved it to the lab. So he starts, or well, he, rem- he I think learns that Olivia has it or something, and then from yeah. that he figures out where the lab is. So he uh, heads to the lab. Meanwhile, um, Walter is now on the run. <laughs> Walter's on the run. Peter comes back, or they find Astrid uh, knocked out unconscious. They have a panic situation where they realize Walter had stolen the cylinder and escaped. And so they start sending people after him. They eventually find him at a cafe, right? No, that's later. No, 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 no. no. So Walter, Walter is currently at Walter a is at a diner, right? Enjoying a root beer float. Yes, which is something he's been asking about the entire episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as well. Uh, and this is when we get to uh, learn that Walter has some sort of relationship with the Observer. Yeah, because uh, he calls him his friend. He's talking to him because the Observer comes and sits down. 
the observer also appears to be slightly Irish. Uh, oh. Did you guys listen to the accent? He does have an accent. Does he? Oh, yes. I I couldn't pin that anywhere. I just thought it was a weird yeah. like. Yeah, I think I I thought it was just the actor trying to be like as monotone as possible. It got, he kind of sounds Irish, hmm. which I know is kind of the opposite of monotone, but. <laughs> <laughs> Hard burn to the Irish there. <laughs> so the director gave him the actor some tips and he said, I want you to be as emotionless as possible. And he went, ah, Irish. <laughs> Truly. The most emotionless people, not known for fiery spirits at all. No. I'm I'm just saying. That's kind of what it sounded like to me. Because yeah, yeah, I remember this scene actually. Walter was like, "Ah, hello." You're like, "I owed you for this," and he's like, "Oh, diddly dee, you do." <laughs> he's actually just a leprechaun. He had to shave <laughs> off his hair though. You saved me, pot of gold. So, so David, you've now officially learned what the observers actually are. They're just leprechauns. Of course, of course, they're just leprechauns. How how couldn't I have seen this? They're just cancer surviving leprechauns. This is a weird beginning of a crossover with supernatural. I'm sorry, you had to find out like this. Oh, oh God. <laughs> but yeah, so, so Walter, Walter and the Observer uh, have a nice little scene. Um, and then they, they find Walter. On, uh, after finding him at, um, on, an inter, like, on an interstate highway, uh, walking the divide. Yeah, they pick him up and they're like, where'd you move the cylinder? Like, we need to know. And he's like, I don't know. And then we I get, had to keep it safe. And then we get Peter talking to Walter, uh, and we get well, the first introduction really to uh, Peter's mother and what Walter feels about her. Ooh, yeah, that was yeah, that was rough. That was a rough. Oh thing. yeah, isn't he like you're weak like your mother? Yep. And stop treating me like a baby like she did. Like I do not need to be babied. Or yeah. Something. And it's a uh, yeah, it's it's very rough. Oh, it's really rough. And because the yeah. look on Peter's face is just like, yeah. Yeah, because he's like, I don't need to be babied. And in my mind, like on my rewatch for this, I was like, oh, he's going to be like, oh, I don't need to be babied. And then just be like, I soiled myself. Because that, <laughs> that seems to be the writing in this show is every time Walter takes a step forward, he also takes a step back. But instead, we just get we just get a very sad scene of a man who obviously can't take care of himself thinking that he can. And like ruining, you know, Peter's vision of his mother yeah. at the same time, uh, which is just just great. Super happy. And Peter takes it well, uh, says that he's leaving. Yeah, he's uh, like, you don't need to be babied. Okay, peace. I'm gone. Oh, yeah, he takes it yep. so well. <laughs> uh, and heads back to the lab to pack up his belongings. Yep. Because also it's worth pointing out, uh, Walter is saying like, oh, I have a friend, he's bald, he has no eyebrows, he, like, I took a cylinder, and Olivia's kind of like, oh, I know what's going on, but Peter hasn't been read in on the observers, Mm -hmm. so he's like, oh, Walter, your imaginary friend, he's in the 15th dimension. Yes, and also then assumes that uh, Walter's just imagining based off of the pictures from Olivia, because Olivia did show them, so Mm -hmm. he's just like, oh, he's just, you know, using this, which is the topical thing right now. You never met him, like, all this, and... Oh, yeah. Lots of very angry uh, replies. Mm-hmm. Their relationship in this in the first bit is real rough. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Peter goes back to pack up his things and is promptly kidnapped by that beanie man. Yes, beanie man, beanie man. That's whatever a beanie man does. 
which is killing and interrogating people with advanced technology. It's a good time. <laughs> and he's swing from a web. We don't know. Possibly. <laughs> That's funnier. <laughs> Look out, here comes the beanie man. <laughs> friends with Kite Man. Is he friends with Kite Man? In my mind, he is. Because Kite Man. Hell yeah, Kite Man. Okay. Uh... Anyways, Astrid now is we're totally, totally fine again after getting drugged um, and is going back to the lab for, I guess, because it's her job. Once again, in the Fringe universe, no one needs a recovery period. Once you're over something, you're over it. That's it. Yes, exactly. Once, once you're done, like once it's once the effects have worn off, you don't need any psychological time to deal with anything that happened. Yeah. Nope. Also, we get another. So we cut, and Peter is strapped down to a table, and Beanie Man's in some basement, half-constructed house, about to torture him. And Peter's like, "Oh, you work for Big Eddie, don't you?" And this is like the third mention of Big Eddie, and possibly the last mention of Big Eddie. They, yeah, Big Eddie. Yeah. Big Eddie like gets mentioned a lot. And then not really follow through. Uh, and then we, we see him shove the, the probes up Peter's nose. And I've never been more un- uncomfortable in this show. And that includes everything else that's happened. Impressive. It just looks so real. It's, oh. I don't know. The, the still, like, cutting of, like, the, like, lips in that one episode to, like, get it no, into I'm, the brain. I can, no. I can deal with that. Don't shove shit up my nose. <laughs> no, okay. That's fair. Uh, yeah. And then we get another extended torture scene. Which yep. I think I wrote somewhere just, what the fuck, JJ, why? <laughs> to be fair, uh, it's kind of needed because um, we, we have him uh, hearing that he, we, he learns that Walter went and hit the device. Uh, and then he's trying to like, get out more connections uh, to Walter. Um, yeah. And uh, most importantly, then tells Peter that he needs to uh, think about a time where he still thought that his father loved him. Which, oh, yeah. Because Walter, Walter's also said, like, Peter will lead him to the device, and it's, like, Peter knows where it's hidden without being told. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like, when was the last time your father kissed you? Yes. Which is a weird question to ask. It is a weird question to ask. Uh, but uh, we surmise that after this long extended torture scene, uh, our beanie man does find out uh, enough about where the device is hid- had, uh, hidden. Yeah, he says, thank you, you just told me where the cylinder is. Exactly. And fortunately, it doesn't kill Peter on the spot. Yeah, yeah. Oddly enough, his MO changes this exact moment where he... Plot armor! (laughs) (laughs) Really, plot armor is super heavy in the first first bit. Oh, yeah. Because he just throws him in a trunk. Yep, he's like, alright, you're gonna come dig something up for me now. That's his his true weakness. He can't dig. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't know how to operate a shovel. It's not sciencey enough for him. It's not, yeah, it's not a sonic shovel. It's like, hey, can I just shoot at the ground with my with my sonic gun? No? Damn. He was probably reading his mind. He learned where it was and went, damn it, need to keep this guy alive to dig for me. Yeah. Uh, they lead him to the grave of Robert Bishop, implied to be Peter's grandfather. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting amongst itself, um, given the date of Robert Bishop's death. Oh. Yeah, I know what you're talking about because they later give Walter's birth date, and yes. I think it's Walter was born in 46, and Robert died in 44. <laughs> yeah, 
Huh. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's fine. This, I think, this does get retconned out later. Probably they probably mentioned that Robert Bishop is just like great grandfather or something. No, no, it's it's still Walter's dad. They just changed the dates. Okay. Um. Oh, I forget. That's the coward's way out. <laughs> I, I think it's an episode in like season two or something. But his his grandfather, Peter's grandfather, comes up again, and they kind of give a different timeline for him. Yeah, it's it's interesting because with forty four, that probably meant meant he died in the war. Uh, yeah, forty four died in the war. <laughs> you know that good old rhyme. Exactly. Uh, but uh, while uh, they are driving, you know, while uh, Beanie Man and Peter are taking a nice, pleasant drive over to go visit uh, Peter's grandfather's grave, uh, Olivia is uh, told by Walter where to go because Walter realizes that uh, Peter's been kidnapped and is going to lead him right to the cylinder. Yep. Uh, so Olivia also arrives at the cemetery slightly later than them, though. Um and uh, conveniently, just after they finish digging up the cylinder, so before Peter can get shot, happens to save Peter uh, because uh, our our beanie man hears Olivia crashing through the forest so silently, um, and so he does not shoot Peter and instead yes. starts to run. Exactly, takes, takes the cylinder and runs. Uh, Olivia chases him, gets him, shoots him in the back. I think. Uh, I believe so, yes. Yeah, and then he, he dies, but the the cylinder digs itself down into the earth and disappears. Which, all I'm going to say is, whatever his plan was with the cylinder, he didn't have time to complete it. Yeah, and then the observer watches, and it's like the typical observer scene. He's like, oh, departure on schedule. Exactly. And, then, and it's supposed to be like, oh, hard cut to commercial. But then Peter shows up, and I was like, who the fuck is you? Yeah. And it's great because uh, he tackles him, but the observer like stands up and immediately goes like stiff board, arms by the sides, and it's just such a comical way of standing up. Oh, it's a good time. Uh, and and then the the cool scene of him um, like predicting what Peter's gonna say. Yeah. So he first starts copying what he says, and then they start saying it at the same time, and then he says it before Peter does. Uh, which does that echo to anything else that you guys have seen? Yes, the really good episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good episode. Oh, I was desperately trying to think of Fringe. <laughs> I was like, no, I can't remember anything else that happened. No, it's uh, midnight, midnight in Doctor Who. Where yeah, no, that was a good episode of Doctor Who, though. Because mm -hmm. Donna wasn't in it. <laughs> that did make it a better episode. If only we could do Doctor Who, but somehow time it so season five was just Donna. <laughs> and then we can all hate on her. <laughs> Uh, this, we'll just call this is the most contentious thing you've said on this podcast. This is what we're gonna get. This is if people do listen to this show and they get to this episode, this is that statement is what we're gonna get angry emails is the fact that we all hate Donna. Martha Jones was a better companion than Donna. Come at me. Hundred percent. Oh yeah, no. One hundred percent. That is that is that is a uh, very true statement. Martha was the last non-special companion, and the show's been downhill since. All right, Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't at me on that. That's yeah, not no. all, Charlie. I said it. That's I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna back away from that statement, Charlie. You're on your own there. Uh, I liked Amy. Cowards. 
I like Amy and Clara. Cowards, all of you. Well, fuck you too, Charlie. Anyways, back to our uh, back to our <laughs> back to fridge. Or hopefully, we'll get less hate. Peter does get shot with a gun that doesn't shoot bullets, even though it looks like a gun. Because prop department might have gotten lazy on this. Maybe, but also it's just observer magic. Yeah, it's like an air gun that knocks Peter unconscious. Yeah, and he wakes up and he's like, "Oh fuck, that hurt." <laughs> Which, like, fair. I really should have just left Boston when I had the chance. <laughs> um, and yeah, no. And then they, uh, you know, Peter's back in the hospital getting checked out because, man, yeah. he's had a rough little time of it. Uh, Walter apologizes to Astrid. And initially <laughs> she's like, fuck you. I don't, I don't care. But then she does. She does care. Yeah. Poor, poor Astrid again. Poor Astrid. <laughs> poor Asterisk. Poor Astro. <laughs> Have Poor we gotten Astrid. to the episode yet where he's like Astro and she's like Astrid and he's like projection? No, not yet. <laughs> no. It's the best line in the show. It's like, that is a really good line. Um, and yeah, no, we uh, then also uh, get finally get the identif- uh, identity of our beanie man as John Mosley, a mob yep. from Seattle. Um, Who has a weird space gun for some reason. They they don't really bring this up again, um, which is kind of like they sort of sort of do. Uh, but it's interesting because um, basically what we what we learn here is that there are people um, who are against the observers in some way. Yeah, yeah. Um, what it's theorized in this episode um, for people is that the, the uh, John Mosley was a rogue observer. Um, he has he eyebrows. Has eyebrows though. Yeah. That's how you know he's rogue. He grew body hair. <laughs> he, he grew body hair. And he's rogue. Uh, but very, very interesting little plot point and a like interesting little thing to see uh, for the future uh, hmm. and see how this picks up again. This doesn't pick up for like three seasons, though. It doesn't pick up for a very long time. Don't worry about it. Uh, well, then. I look forward to hearing about this three years from now. Yes. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but Peter and Olivia talk, and she's like, okay, cool, see you later. Um, and he's like, whoa, what are you talking about? Like, this shit was just the right level of crazy to keep me intrigued and on the show. Yep. And then and they just take one of Joshua Jackson's headshots, very obviously one of Joshua Jackson's headshots, and throw it on an FBI card. And, and I'm pretty sure. A consultant. And I'm pretty sure this is why we never hear about Big Eddie again. Because <laughs> he's now an FBI civilian consultant and has protection. Yes. If I were Big Eddie, I would not be fucking with. <laughs> he does ask, hey, will this get me out of speeding tickets? And she's like, maybe. <laughs> and with that, we end the episode. Well, not entirely. Um, Walter then gives a little bit of a better explanation to um, the observers, to Peter, uh, and mentions oh, yeah. that. I forgot about that. Yes. Oh, yeah, uh, when you were very sick as a child. Well, no, their vehicle plunged into an ice lake. Yeah, this is, nice remember, we were, we were driving up. Oh, to, yes, yes. Uh, blah, it was really snowy out. We were going across, and we, uh, brakes weren't working, so we crashed into a lake. And Peter's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then you, like, bravely swam us to shore and saved our lives or whatever. Walter's like, no. Walter's like, no, I actually. <laughs> that observer guy saved us. We were going like, to die. Then he's like, but return, I need a favor. And he's like, when I saw the cylinder, I knew this was the favor. Yes. 
Because Walter is a sleeper agent. Yeah, and so he pays back the debit to the observer. All right, and then we cut back to the debt. Thank you. Then we cut back to uh, Olivia at home, where she sees John Scott standing in her kitchen. And end of episode. There we go. And yeah, so that was the uh, that was this uh, this week's episode. Um, the introduction to the observer, super cool. Uh, it was nice that they did it reasonably early on, so that we got to actually like yeah. now people can actually look out for the yeah. observer. Yeah. Um, the cipher for this episode was rogue, which probably spawned those rogue observer. <laughs> It's probably exactly where that's from. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that it it's right people were like on the right path very early on. Oh yeah. Which is kind of surprising how quickly some people guess the stuff. There there was like there were there were a lot more dedicated people than us when it came to the watching the show the first time. <laughs> dedicated it's scary oh. how hard people went in on all this stuff it was impressive excuse me we're dedicated enough to record this podcast <laughs> yeah and we're Fair just enough. not dedicated enough that we're going to get absolutely shat on <laughs> especially for our doctor who hot takes oh god no, no just, just stay away from that pretend it doesn't exist and it's fine um but yeah, uh, the other fun thing that we always have to talk about and how none of us are ever going to notice it uh, in any of the episodes All is right, the, hint. Uh, the hint to this episode from the previous episode. Um, there was a sign uh, on the wall of the train station uh, that has the actual capsule or the beacon in it. Uh, and that uh, happens just before uh, Grant Davidson is shot. So the one guy is shot, like basically handing over the stuff. And oh. yeah, it's just a small little sign on the wall. Uh, and like, if you look at it, yeah, no, that's out of place. But what's the sign say? Oh, no, it's literally just a, li- it's just a little sign that just has the beacon in it. Like oh. a black and white image of the beacon. Yeah. Really? Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So you look and it's like, oh, interesting. Little... <laughs> that, yeah, that would mean nothing to you, though. Yeah. Um, the so the circles on the the beanie also came up twice before this. Yes, um, they're in the binoculars in the corner, and then in the pilot um, when she sees her uncle's kayak, it has the three green and the red. Oh, in the dream, in that dream. Yep, weird uh, lens flare dream sequence. Interesting. So yeah, no, there have been uh, multiple mentions to it uh despite the fact that it's still going to seem you know when we eventually get to that episode i'm sure all of us were like wait where are they pulling this from yeah but but there are multiple mentions of it uh in the uh in the episodes oh yeah that's cool oh yeah no all right so episode ratings what do we give this one uh out of five we're still doing Um, five yeah probably a solid four four and a half this is one of the best episodes of season one, just because a plot importance and the the fringe thing is just driver of the plot. It's not the focus. It's yes. like, hey, this thing happens, and then here's interesting character, interesting character, interesting character. Build up on our existing ones. Yes, I yeah, I go probably around a four as well. Uh, probably not quite as high as a four and a four and a half. I really, I did really enjoy this episode. And really liked their introduction to the Observer um, and kind of learning a little bit more about that. I just 
wish that we could have gotten a little bit more on our like big bad guy in this episode with John Mosley. And I get that like part of it is just like trying to make that seem secretive and very confusing. And that's the whole thing with the observers. Uh, but like you really learn nothing from him. And the fact that he's almost like he's not really brought up again. Yeah, there's a lot of drop, is frustrating. drop plot points in the first season. In the first half of season one, even. Yeah. Where they set all this stuff up and then it seems like either writing direction changed or writers themselves changed or overall direction changed. And they're like, we need to drop dangling points two, five, and eight, and then run with the rest of them. Exactly. And, and it's, so kind of, some, it's kind of unfortunate because yeah. I felt like this would have been a really interesting sort of plot point to develop more off of. Yeah. The, the idea that there's like the rogue observer mm-hmm. yes. would have been cool to, to look at more. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think I'm with Nick on this, like a four, maybe lean towards like a four point like five as well, because this is a good episode. It's not, it, I think it's really shows what where Fringe like shines and that it has really good character moments as well as cool yeah. sci-fi plot elements. And the whole investigation of it is actually like interesting and it's actual, it seems like actual police work, not just like yeah. magic. Plus this episode... I think people love this episode more than others or like this episode more than others because it it introduced kind of the ARG to everyone. Yeah. Yes. Where it's like, hey, did you notice the Observer? Did you notice the Observer? Well, go back and rewatch those episodes if you can. And then exactly. be on the lookout for them for the next, for the rest of the season. Yeah, watch the episodes again if you can in 2008. Good luck. <laughs> Figure so it, it out, out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, buy it on DVD and find all the observers. Or it would have it would have sparked a lot of discussion. Yes. Just those forum boards would have been a buzz with like, where is he? When? Who caught him? When was it? Yeah, finding all this stuff. Find a torrent of it online twelve years ago. <laughs> Enjoy oh, your four eighty p quality cam rip. Yay, LimeWire. Oh. Well, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good old days. Yep. I, it's hard to disagree, but. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that'll bring us to the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, we'll we'll uh, catch you guys uh, next week with um, uh, the next episode of Fringe, episode five, uh, Power Hungry. Have a good day and outro. The theme music for Four Seasons and a Funeral is Algorithms by Chad Crouch is licensed under a attribution non-commercial 3.0 creative commons license.